I'm, yeah. I'm gonna be a little bit kooky. I'm so tired. It's all right. We got this. Oh. We can do it. I believe in us. I might cry because I'm tired and right. It's our last one for a while. So, but it's not our last one. That's like, so. I know true. it's not our last one. It's just this last. That's why I put that end of the beginning. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and maybe, and maybe I'll keep this little snippet as the actual beginning. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Let go. Star Wars, this is on Star Wars, specifically Clone Wars, Season 7. Star Wars, this is on Star Wars, specifically Clone Wars, Episode 12. Welcome ravenous streamers and culture consumers aboard Bohemian Geek Studies Millennium Fandom. I'm Padawan Learner, Sarah O'Connor, queen of those queries, lady of that literature, and defender of those precious, precious droids. (laughs) I can't cry yet, Sarah. And I'm Jedi Master, Colleen McMillan. Lady of Loggers, Gryffindor Prefect, and Rebel Scum Collaborator, which we really need right now. Oh, yeah. Claimer that there's still much both Sarah and I desire to learn about Star Wars to earn the ranks that we carry going forward. And as a friendly reminder, we will be discussing spoilers and using some adult content-y language from time to time. So if you haven't watched episode 12 yet or looked outside and into the news... Or if you're aware that it can be kind of hard to find something funny in the darkness, you have come to the right place because we are here to talk about it for a super long time because (laughs) Jedi Master Colleen, I kid you not, uh, Backstage Pass dropped an 18-page single-space outline. So... The dark or the night is dark and full of terrors, but not today, not right now. Colleen, anything else you want to add before we punch it? Oh man, just like holy freaking forking shirt balls. This episode, this season has just been amazing. And we're recording this on June 6th because we've just been really busy with everything that's been going on in this world. But we also love to bring it back to Star Wars because we are the fire that will, or the spark, we are the spark that will light the fire of the rebellion. Yes, we can. And yes, we will. So I think that is a great way for us to kick it off and Mm -hmm. punch it, Colleen. Yahoo! (laughs) (laughs) All right, listeners, let's hop into the Millennium Fandom for our last Clone Wars episode recap. No opening card once again. Give us some more of that sweet, sweet choral singing. We are on part four of this arc, Lucasfilm Limited and the Clone Wars red logo, ushering us into the final countdown. This is it, folks. This is the end. Or is it simply the end of the beginning? And it just has to be. It just has to be. Because guess what? Watch Rebels. (laughs) (laughs) 
but at least as to the series that we are covering today and we have been covering with you for the past several weeks, we never really thought this day would come, but here it is and here we are. Last episode, last Clone Wars pod for now. So we struggled with this one, especially sweet, sweet Colleen. Just like finishing a great, delicious book, closing the cover on this podcast, as you can tell, like I literally waited longer than is socially appropriate, (laughs) but we're doing this as best as we can and we Mm -hmm. shall soldier on. So um, we just wanted to say as Ahsoka and Rex and everyone head straight into a mysterious moon, the fun fact is just last night... There was a strawberry moon, which is a little fancy way. That's no moon. That's the strawberry moon. What do you think, Colleen? Too soon? Oh, man. Woof. Mm. Just a little little bit too soon. I feel the same way, Padawan. We've grown and learned so much through these 12 episodes. It's only fitting to lay down our sabers with Ahsoka, at least for now. Like you said, we absolutely know they'll be there for us to pick back up again whenever we're ready. Yeah, and that was that was some that was some incredible footage. So let's get straight to that sweet, sweet synopsis. We're back on the ship in the med bay with Ahsoka and Rex, literally holding our breath as the clones try to break through. It was one of the sexiest ways to start a show, in my humble opinion. And Rex kind of looks at Ahsoka. It, it's almost like very open at the close, right? Because Rex opens saying, I don't know how we're going to get out of this, but we got to get out of this. And Ahsoka calmly says, we're not going to kill them, put them to stun. Let's do what we need to do. And I loved, I loved on the rewatch seeing that open and close. So Ahsoka force, force pushes the door open past startled clones and who knows how who knows how hurt they might have gotten but at least our heroes Ahsoka and Rex escape with the droids in tow and head towards that main hangar bay yes yep and of course our dude Maul he's listening intently to that calm that he oh so calmly took from the clone soldier last episode and he finds out that Ahsoka is target number 1 and he is target number 2 like, mm, that must piss him off royally. And I Always love those rankings. Men. Never, th- never, never the, the Sith. Never <laughs> yeah, never the Sith. Mar, always the apprentice. I mean, if always being second choice gives him that kind of extra ragey oomph, it really pays off here. He utterly demolishes the ship's hyperdrive. And it barely looks like he's even trying. No, like, no sweat. Kind of a little bit of effort, but not really a lot. This kind of is like, is this just the dark side's intensity increasing? So his power is just going up that much heavier, like higher? Yeah. Massive craziness ensues. Red lines appear in that blue, blue hyperspace lane around the ship. And when that happens, the command bridge clones start to freak out. Because you know what, old Ben? That is a moon. Damn right. <laughs> Ahsoka and Rex reach that hangar and stun the clones, of course, expelling Amis in the overlooking room. They didn't try to fight back, and finally some clones not trying to kill them. Like, thank you. But they did close down all access to the systems. Rex continues with his gallery humors, which I personally appreciate. 
saying, quote, you know, if they weren't trying to kill us, I'd be proud. <laughs> and I'll have to say here, they're fighting to keep peace in peace. And I love that. The droids tell them the hyperdrive is gone. Um, <laughs> thanks, Maul. Just Oops. gone. <laughs> and that they're caught in the moon's gravitational pool. Yep. Mm, this is a tough one. Not not great, guys. As they open those hangar doors, dozens of clones emerge because they were waiting for them. Jesse had ordered them to wait there. Ahsoka doesn't want to hurt the soldiers, but Rex tells her the hard truth. His brothers are ready to go down with the ship if it means taking them out. And that like that really that really hits hard right now. That like really that really oh Dave they ready, they're ready to oh. die. Yep. The clones don't care. They will die for this. They have no self-preservation at this point. This is when, of course, I immediately started crying in the episode. Ahsoka gently removes Rex's helmet so she could look at his face. And he has tears streaming down his cheeks. He turns away from her despair, like just total despair. And he doesn't want her to see him this way. But she assures him that they will try to escape. They're not going to surrender. But she also doesn't want to kill the men below. Until she drops out that poor, that, like, floor. <laughs> yeah, that, that probably killed a few of them. So that was a big but deal. A couple broken legs, maybe a broken that back. That was a big deal. Yeah. But I will say, I flipping love when Star Wars does, like, clever ruse stuff. Mm-hmm. So Ahsoka says, quote, you know, I have an idea. Don't worry. <laughs> it's a good one, I think. It's so... It's so, like, I want Will Lee's comments on this. I think Will Lee would approve of this, like, on the semantic technicality. She's no Jedi, and I freaking freaking love this. So Mm -hmm. we totally feel great about this. It's everyone's favorite Star Wars ploy, the Prisoner Gambit classic. Yes, (laughs) yes, yes. And I, I do also appreciate, and I could be wrong, okay, but I'm happy right now, so I'm going to say it. I love how each time it's slightly different, right? Like, it, it can be hard to redo that gambit well, and they nail it here. But anywho, Rex specifically tries to talk Jesse down, but his bro isn't here for that semantics that I totally stand for. Ahsoka may be no Jedi, but Darth Sidious gave explicit orders, technicality, and so Ahsoka has to die. Rude much. He demotes Rex, like, for fuck's sake. Like, just got to Commander. (laughs) Like, come on, right? And prepares to shoot. And, and like, I don't know about you, but I am ready for a lot of dressing down, but not of Rex. <laughs> and so the astromechs come through and activate the hangar lips, <laughs> dropping a majority of the clones to the lower mm-hmm. level, like Ahsoka didn't just talk about not trying to harm anyone. <laughs> yeah. And Ahsoka and Rex make a super formidable pair, deflecting mm. blaster fire and shooting to stun like stunners. Yep, they have that stun mode on, which is all well and good until all of the clones get up because they've only been stunned. But also, Hark, hey Ahsoka, remember when you let Maul out and then thought he 
wouldn't be a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's about to steal your ride. He like sprints past Ahsoka and Rex, booking it straight for that nice ride. And Ahsoka does follow to stop him, but he lashes out with the force, screaming his only line of dialogue in the episode, quote, you wanted this chaos. Fair. Very fair. She did want this chaos, just not like that. (laughs) You're so right that that's his last line. I love considering what his last visual Mm -hmm. words are before he goes like (laughs) super quiet and so like i try to think how do i see this in the real world and i very much compare maul to an agent provocateur right Mm -hmm. now where i was just kind of like i'm doing my own i literally don't care what you're doing i am busy he's a wild card yeah and Mm -hmm. so ahsoka unleashes her inner ray which was Mm -hmm. sexy a F and mm-hmm. tries to stop the shuttle incredibly powerfully BTW yes. and Maul looks shocked and super annoyed while I meanwhile was super turned on yes. <laughs> she's doing her best to hold the shuttle while Rex tries to cover her mm-hmm. R7 defend those droids mm-hmm. rushes into the fray and is hit protecting Ahsoka you you beautiful droid I will honor you knowing Rex is in danger Ahsoka lets Maul go Maul flies away faster than a law threat which that's a great <laughs> joke Colleen that's you gave me that one and thank you for letting me have that one thank you very much of leaving course. leaving a sinking starship Ahsoka continues to be a badass. Oh, yes, she does. And cuts her way through the floor, dropping her and Rex to the lower floor, not to their death, to find another ship. Yes. Rex's kind of expression, even though he's wearing his helmet and that, just is like, shit, what is she doing? And then they fall. You can just tell he's like, fucking Jedi, just, what are we? (laughs) Yeah. They never tell me what's going to happen. So they're down there, the lower hangar, trying to find a ship, like any ship that will fly. They see one Y-Wing that's ready for flight and they try to reach it. But of course, Jesse and his crew are in the way. So our beautiful, lovely droids, Cheap and Gigi, they launch the clones upward this time. But they are caught and executed by the clones. That was, that was, that was so legitimately offensive to me. That was so offensive. That was Mm -hmm. personally, Dave Filoni, you will like... (laughs) Actually, we're on a break. We're on a break until later. We are on a break until I say we're not. I mean, for real, though, true heroes of the Republic, cheap and cheap. Yes. So yes. Tell you. So the Venator ship now, because it's in the gravitational pull of the moon, it starts to enter the atmosphere of the moon. This kills the command bridge crew and sends everything else into like free fall, chaos free fall. So Ahsoka force throws Rex to the Y-Wing, but she can't make it herself. He gets inside, but she can't make it. And Rex says this episode's last dialogue, which like, again, the episode, sometimes when shows don't have dialogue and they nail it, it's the best piece of artwork uh, unimaginably. And so the last episode's dialogue is, quote, come on again. How flipping apt, right? Come on. When the Y-Wing is ejected through the main hangar door, Ahsoka plummets in exactly the opposite way, classic, from her controlled dive in episode nine. But she has faith, as do we, that Rex will find her. 
he pulls out of a really wicked spin and frantically searches for her. Like I'm like, we know what's going to happen, but we don't know what's going to happen, you know? Mm-hmm. And he's able to fly to her and Ahsoka finally reaches the gunner spot. Rex pulls away from the crashing vent from the crashing ship and they both look exhausted. They are covered in blaster burns. And that was one of the most cinemagraphic coolest things I have ever seen. It just, I, I, I have felt like I was flying with Ahsoka several times in this last four series, four episodes arc. Bravo, bravo, bravo. Everybody that worked on this arc, just hands, hands clapping, hats off. Amazing. But we're not done yet, folks, because now we get to cry some more. The screen cuts to that decimated Venator, and it looks like a great whale beached on a desert shore. It is destroyed. And there are no survivors besides Ahsoka and Rex. We see Rex walking slowly away from the wreckage. He's carrying a shovel. And we get a glimpse of the salvaged body of R7. Like, at least they found him. So maybe they can yeah. save him. And Rex- you and I were talking about this. Because, like, because yes. like I just wanted on the record, like... I don't understand why he's outside of the ship if he's not actually alive, but the lights are off and, and then we like just watch rebels, but like, yeah, they can fix him. He's just really busy off stage or something. He's like super, he's on a secret mission. You know what? That's how I'm going to sleep tonight. R7, (laughs) wherever you are right now, you sweet, sweet, precious droid. You just take, you just keep taking care of that business. You, oh, you sweet boy. (laughs) Yes. That's what we're hoping for. We need to see more of R7 at some point. So our boy Rex, he turns to watch Ahsoka, who is gray cloaked, standing motionless before graves. They placed each clone's helmet on their graves. And a lot of them are Ahsoka's orange homage helmets staring straight back at her. She's surveying the graves. She's clinging to her lightsaber for just a few moments, looking at it before letting it fall. She knows she has to go into hiding at this point, so she can't keep her saber. I actually have goosebumps right now. I could actually have you just finish reading this whole thing. I'll just sit here for you. (laughs) I can do that. Please do. Please do. I'm not even kidding. Might cry. It's fine. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Fade to a Lambda class shuttle landing. This is Vader's shuttle. When this happened, I think I literally said, what fresh hell is this, Filoni? Some time has passed. We're not sure how much. But this is none other than Darth Vader. We hear the breath. We see the armor. But is there a little Anakin still left in that bucket of armor? Maybe. There's gotta be. Mm-hmm. The Sith Lord. There's gotta be. There's gotta be, man. Oof. Our Sith Lord, our Sith Lord, Vader, <laughs> strides through the snow towards the wreckage and kneels to pick up Ahsoka's saber. Like he kneels down. He doesn't use yeah. the force to grab it. He actually kneels down so he can touch it. That's and there. Vader. There's the Anakin. There you go. There you go. Towards the saber. He genuflexes Ugh. through a genuine flex. Okay, yep. Genuine flex. <laughs> to lighten the mood. Okay, go ahead. Ooh. Keep going. Oh, we would kill to know what he's thinking right now. Mm-hmm. He hears a soft call and peers into the sky. And it is Morai, the Conver bird, circling him slowly, maybe signaling that Anakin is right underneath Vader's surface. Maybe. We close on 
an Ahsoka-inspired helmet, the orange and the white, and it's cracked down the center with Vader's silhouette fading away in the, the helmet's visor. So you see him walking away. And this is how the Clone Wars ends, with Palpatine <sighs> the only victor and a harsh Asshole. winter landscape signaling that death has come. And it was everyone. so... It was so muffled. It was very, I, I like making comparisons to my other favorite fandoms just to like make it clear that everyone needs to watch everything that's good um, until season eight, but get over that as well. Like the, um, just this, the, the freshness of the pure white snow and having it muffled everything and just how stark the, the white and the black are. It's just, so artistically symbolically perfection um maybe winter may symbolize death but after winter comes the spring yeah uh get get to it george get to it george rr R. martin mm-hmm. oh yeah um, we really would like the dream of spring please <laughs> did did you colleen before we get to our theme did you mm-hmm. happen to notice that Ahsoka's saber looked a little bit greenish and purplish. Occasionally, it's, um, very from very the like it's been there for a while. I think that That's, was the term. Is that yeah. why? Yeah. Interesting. Like the elements have done that to her saber. Thank you. Thank you for uh, jumping to a master and apprentice. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Well, then, now that I understand that, let's get into that delicious yet mm. depressing yet beautiful Ooh. theme. Yeah. Mm. This episode's theme. Wow. I didn't struggle with this at all. It was not difficult. The theme for this final episode can be found right there in the title. Victory and death. Yep. Be it actual death fake death or the death of the soul this episode was drenched in both blood and sorrow but also a little hope yep however anakin skywalker is dead basically like he's replaced by this dark shadow but we can't discount that kind of hopeful lilting morai convert bird music that plays over vader's melancholic observations of the crashed venator ship yep in this, like, yes, one series may die, but another shall rise in its place stronger <laughs> than before because there's just no killing Star Wars or the quest nope. for freedom and hope. So we're going to spend a lot of the pod figuring out who is victorious in this episode. But we're also going to look at the very end at the miraculous victories of the series as a whole. Yeah. And I guess to kind of address it head on we should talk Mm. about death first frankly (laughs) um (laughs) because the episode is full of deadly endings not only were all of the clones on the ship killed in the crash but as we mentioned our sweet droid companions were murdered too and we can't help but remember that this day marks the death of the republic death to liberty death to democracy and just brutal death to our tear ducts. Yep. 
Yep, as you know, Sarah, I wept through most of the episode having live recorded myself, which was probably a mistake. But I wanted it for posterity. We we have it, folks. We have it. We'll see. We'll see if and how we can use it. But at least we have that core memory. Yeah, I have not been brave enough to listen to it. But just like picture someone ugly crying for at least 20 minutes. Like I destroyed Mm -hmm. an entire box of Kleenex. And it reminded me the episode title, like bringing me back full circle to American history. It's just like this letter that Lieutenant Colonel Travis wrote from the Alamo in Texas. Mm. Some people might not know about the Alamo, but most people probably do. He signed this letter as they were being attacked and faced certain death, which they all did die. He signed it victory or death. There you go. Mm -hmm. There you go. Oh, and then we got to bring it back to my favorite freaking scene in this episode when Ahsoka removes Rex's helmet when he's just like just just full on despairing that his brothers don't care if they die like they're willing to let the ship crash take Ahsoka and himself with them oh when she takes off his helmet there are some people that kind of ship Ahsoka and Rex but I'm not really here for that huh I'm here for showcasing more their friendship like their Mm -hmm. deep abiding friendship intimacy here and this is when we see rex crying and i don't think anybody else has seen rex cry except ahsoka yeah damn and it just broke my heart because he doesn't know how to protect her without killing his brothers he thinks they have no options but of course ahsoka assures him that they will do everything to survive and as both yoda and kanan have told us in the past quote you win by surviving so they will assure their victory through living to fight another day And I think Rex would be, like, one of my first people who I would have in charge of, like, de-escalation training, (laughs) right? You know, like, after this Mm -hmm. is over and we need to fix a lot of wounds, Mm -hmm. um, that should definitely be top of the list. But since we have to wait for that, watch Rebels, we (laughs) should probably check out our holocrons and see if they're still even in the Jedi (laughs) Temple. Y'all, this is real. Order 66 happened just a hot second ago in episode 11. So Colleen, as our first one, um, and I love what you did here too, (laughs) again with the script. Do I even want to know where we are? Nope. (laughs) But will you tell me? I really don't want to. (laughs) Fine. I'll say it. We're still on that Venator, like, hurtling through hyperspace. Mm -mm. Don't wanna. Mm -mm. Still Mm. in the medbay with Ahsoka and Rex right after the Olympus, (laughs) right after that last episode. How the hell are they gonna get out of here, Sarah? I, I don't know, but it's going to be through true heroics so it's a good thing that both ahsoka and rex have been in the end what they really have been the entire season the focus dave filoni stated in an interview with entertainment weekly that he wanted to show revenge of the sith from a different point of view (laughs) so that's why we don't get anakin or obi-wan on mustafar we've seen it However you feel about it, we have seen it, been there, done that. We kind of wish we had gotten some of that content in animation form. I I mean, yes, I would gobble it up, but that would pull away from focus from Ahsoka and Rex. They deserve all our, our attention. And I bet you not if they got a single detail wrong, it'd be a problem with a retcon. So like, 
take the take the blessings. Okay, I'm I guess I'm starting to heal my wounds with Dave Filoni already. <laughs> so Colleen, I'm not I'm not ready for him to have my whole heart yet. Why don't you take it away? Okay. So yep. Oh Dave. Ahsoka shows in this arc that she believes the clones and the droids to be more than expendable parts in a machine. She asks our droids, the astromechs, for help in the last episode. And here she tells Rex, quote, you're a good soldier, Rex. So is every one of those men down there. She doesn't call them clones. She calls them men. Her reverence for life, just like, ugh, we, we appreciate it so much. She will do her best not to kill the clones. And Rex will do everything in his power to protect her. So they're both just so heroic in this last arc. So amazing in their bond. We've watched it grow over seven seasons. And the total fruition of it is on display here in this episode. It's just fantastic. Yeah. And when Brendan and I were kind of talking about it, I think one of the reasons why we love Ahsoka so much and we love Rex so much is that they kind of double down on who they are as characters as the world galaxy changed darker around them as opposed to some of the other jedi who frankly were just slain and didn't realize or see or what have you the warning signs and or went into hiding for whatever valid or invalid reason and or like Anakin was just like you know now's a good time to go to daycare no that's not what you do so so I think one of the reasons why we love Ahsoka so much is in 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 kind of a character development stance she is the opposite of what happens to Anakin in kind of like a butterfly wing perspective. Would you agree or no? I think so. I think she's the opposite of everything that happens to the other Jedi. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, speaking of villains, not villains, mm -hmm. looking at you, Jesse, mm -hmm. and the other clone villains. I mean, they're not that this is the problem when you are whether you're a droid, whether you're a clone, whether you're a fill-in, whatever you want. If you've got something flipped in your script, be it a chip or otherwise, it's going to be a bad time. Jesse had some slivers of doubt. It kind of looked like deep in his mind and maybe in the mind of others. But when he hesitates with Rex, who's trying to reason with him, Jesse ultimately kind of conforms to what the authoritarian dictator says and says, you have your orders, sir. Now execute or I will. Not a great look for Jesse, especially when the clones feel such intense brotherhood towards each other. And it is heartbreaking and heart-wrenching to see Jesse pitted against Rex, especially in this way, even though we kind of knew it was coming. It's like one of those things that it's kind of like, thank you for hurting me so much. By <laughs> <knowing me." laughs> so these, these clones saved each other's lives over the series, but now they're on opposing sides. Yep. And what happens with Jesse and the other clones, it takes the whole, like, I was just following orders argument to that extreme. Yep. Human soldiers in our world are drilled to follow the chain of command with almost no questions. 
their condition for it, they're reminded constantly that the structure would collapse without this kind of enforced order. But human soldiers also don't have biotech chips in their brains, making sure they follow orders. So we're willing to give the clones a little bit of leeway here, though it's so, so painful to watch them turn. Just ugh. so they're like more antagonists than classic villains. Or at least change your face masks, bro. Right. Yeah. Don't oh wear a so- Please like, take a Socus no. mask. Please take a Socus Rude. Oh my gosh. Uh, oh, and yeah, the, this brought to our attention back to Top that we had talked about last yeah. episode from season six when he attacked General Tiplar and killed her. His ship had degraded and kind of made him, quote unquote, malfunction. Yep. He kept repeating, quote, good soldiers follow orders. Good soldiers oh. follow orders. So like even when those orders were like anathema to their personal moral codes, it's still was going to go down they still were going to follow orders yeah and that's like a little bit too real for me right now in some (laughs) ways so Mm -hmm. let's turn back to one of our most favorite and delicious snacks mall tell Mm -hmm. me tell me about mall what's going on with him what about him well uh you know, he's a little villainous in this episode, so I don't, um, uh, Maul, that was a little rude. He definitely coulda, woulda, shoulda helped Ahsoka and Rex escape. Like, listen, Maul, not a good recruitment strategy. Ahsoka just totally threw you a bone, and I don't mean this in a sexual way. Throw one back. WTF. Nope, nope, nope. Ahsoka said everyone for themselves. He did nothing wrong. And so, since Colleen clearly has fallen under a dark spell waiting for Maul to call her, maybe, I'll just let you know from my standpoint that my master has it twisted and Maul could have definitely left, lent a hand, and I don't mean one that was chopped off, and maybe not one that crashed an entire ship into an unknown moon. Just saying. So, since... Since we're going to agree to disagree, which is like totally the point of this, let's get to our cool culture, which still brings us back to our sassy Sith. Yep, yep, yep. We are totally going to do the Jedi like that and only cover the Sith this time. I mean, they've been gone for generations. What's to worry about, right? Nothing. Nothing to worry about. Um, So I... I really loved how you actually put the mantra because mm-hmm. in many ways it, it, I, I don't know. Like I feel embarrassed. You know what? I'm going to lean into it. I love this mantra, but I also <laughs> can have some quibbles with it. Mm-hmm. So Colleen, can you, even if it means refreshing our reluction mm-hmm. as diehard fans, mm-hmm. Since you have fallen under a spell and I am your apprentice, this is it, folks. This is the turn. Teach me the mantra. All right. Yep. Here is our Sith mantra. Quote, peace is a lie. There is only passion. Through passion, I gain strength. Through strength, I gain power. Through power, I gain victory. Through victory, my chains are broken. The force shall free me. Unquote. Woo! That's a doozy right there. All right, we're just going to jump right into these Sith Lords. Thousands of years, 
thousands of years before the Clone Wars, an unnamed rogue Jedi left the order with his followers, because of course they always have to have followers, y'all. And it was definitely side. Was it definitely a dude? Like, do we definitely know that it was a dude? From all the sources I have looked at, like Wikipedia says him or his. Okay, so so it's like the so it's like real world history. Yeah. Yeah. It's totally like a her or a them. Yeah. Could be non-binary. We don't know. But yeah, for the yeah. purposes of Wikipedia, it is his slash him slash cool, cool, cool. rogue Jedi. The followers turned from the light side to the dark, believing it to be the path to true power. They all relocated to this planet called Korriban, which is now called Moraband. It's got to change names and stuff, I suppose. And they became the Sith Order. They founded a bunch of temples and multiple planets, including Malachor from rebels watch rebels oh I, you know what actually whoever's listening if you tell us how many times we say send rebels <laughs> i will literally send you an ahsoka print i have i have like for my art business i have made ahsoka prints someone tell us the accurate amount of rebels and i will send you a print just we'll take lot, the answers y'all. off the air <laughs> it's gonna be a lot so these outcast former Jedi eventually launched a war against the Old Republic on Coruscant. And because of battles with both the Jedi Order, the Old Republic, and within their own ranks, the Sith faded from power because they were killing each other off and they almost hmm. became extinct. And now here is our time for Sarah to fall under a dark side spell with her dude, Darth Bane. Oh my goodness. I loved and love the audiobooks. So that's where I've listened. I think I've listened to all three. I'm very bad with title names. I'm sorry, everyone who listens. But like the Darth Bane books, I think there's at least three are very, very delicious, especially with who is the narrator. Like you feel you're like, okay, this is this is literally Darth Bane reading his memoir it's phenomenal so darth bane was the only survivor in the last jedi sith war he decided to pass his knowledge to only one apprentice which makes me suspect maybe he's a slytherin and the rule of two was born very interesting this philosophy dictated that only two sith could exist at one time a master and apprentice. Huh, that sounds a little Jedi. Considering that their infighting led to their doom, it was probably a good idea to keep things close to the vest. And Mm -hmm. here's just like a total semantic thing. I thought it was close to the chest. Is that a close to the vest? Is that like a (laughs) locality thing? It could be. Yeah. Yeah. It's in Urban Dictionary. <laughs> I think it can be both of them. Close to the chest, close to the vest. Close to your vested chest. Yes. This relationship <laughs> was toxic, however, because both master and apprentice would look for weaknesses within each other. Yeah. Y- yeah. An unworthy master deserved to be overthrown, and an unworthy apprentice deserved to be replaced. I mean, that's. That literally, why aren't they listening to BGS Matilda? Like, you need to make mistakes to learn. This is harsh, harsh stuff. Colleen, tell us about the rule of two. Mm. So, due to the rule of two, 
it seemed that the Sith were extinguished from the galaxy because two can hide way better than an army of Sith. So the Jedi moved on. They went on to build and defend the new Galactic Republic. Big mistake. Huge, huge guys. Hiding in plain sight was perfect for the Sith, particularly for Sheev Palpatine. Like, that's literally their playbook. Why are the Jedi so surprised that the Sith are like, I'm just going to do what we always do? What? You're just going to chill in the shadows for like hundreds of years and wait, bide our time. Nobody holds a grudge like a Sith Lord, as we know. So Palpy, super content to rule from the shadows. He spent decades on his master plan and he shuffled through apprentices faster than a Vegas dealer. Like he was like, bam, 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 apprentices. But when Vader eventually kills Sidious in Return of the Jedi, then dies himself later in that movie, the Sith actually became officially extinct. Like for real in the sequel trilogy, they are not Sith. They're something different. So balance was technically returned to the galaxy. And people wonder if balance really was achieved like just by eliminating the Sith. But we would argue that because there's no mention of the dark side being destroyed itself, just the particular branch of the dark side being wielded by the Sith. That makes a little more sense. And also the Jedi were pretty much extinct too. So mm-hmm. there are no people wielding the force against each other at this point, at least. So both light and dark were present, but not overpowering each other. So balance. And this is something that I totally want to talk with you and listeners and others about way, way more. But like we're like just again, back backstage pass. We're now at eight of 18. So I totally can't talk about it now, but like pin in that. So... Regardless of my still questions, it's very much, at least according to my understanding now and based on what you're saying, very much like Dumbledore telling Harry Potter, quote, it was important to fight and fight again and keep fighting for only then could evil be kept at bay, though never quite eradicated. And I feel like that's the human condition. (sighs) Can never be destroyed completely. You have to balance it. And and I suppose in a way that helps you retain and uh, shore up your own humanity, right? Like, but but for the sadness, you wouldn't understand the deeper joy. But yeah. I suppose that's what philosophers and all artists <laughs> wax and wane and poets about. And mm-hmm. and while we wait for that newest love poem from Malta Colleen, <laughs> we didn't have any other new cool items really this episode. But we do have another cool creature to go over, though we both agree it's not quite nice to call her a creature. So we're just going to give this fourth holocron unequivocally. Yep. To Morai. Yay! So turning back to our theme, we wanted to look at Ahsoka and how she's already been victorious over death once. So back during the Mortis arc in season three, Ahsoka dies, full on dies. She is dead. She's brought back to life by Anakin and the father who are channeling the daughter's remaining life force into our young little Padawan. In earning the daughter's light side life force, Ahsoka becomes a light side focus. 
in season four, she draws the attention of some convorees. These little adorable, like little owl birds are so cute. When she got kidnapped by the Trandoshans and tossed onto another moon. There's moons. Also so many moons. Theme this episode. These little guys are very attracted to Ahsoka. Like they love to be by her. And they coo really pleasantly at her when she walks by them. One really fun detail I found out. The birds are named after Dave Filoni's wife, Anne Convery. Which is so romantic. Mm -hmm. I wonder how many, like, I'm totally, like, this is totally headcanon, right? This doesn't even (laughs) exist. I am now picturing, in light of all these moons and owls and stuff, like, I totally picture how many, like, nighttime walks or, like, couples talks when they're, like, looking (laughs) out at the moon together or something. Mm -hmm. I want this to be true. But what we do know is unequivocally true is that there's a particular convoy that we wanted to look at, the Morai. Mm-hmm. This green and white convoy, which first appeared in Rebels Season 2, episode, quote, Mystery of Chopper Base. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Colleen, for your research. Ah. This sweet, sweet, sweet Morai is always around when Ahsoka is about to make an appearance. It's like a, a, a what is it? Like a DJ hype person for anyone who's like watching with Easter eggs, right? So we got really excited to see her at the end of this episode. Still, like like Colleen said, that glimmer of hope and rebellion despite the darkness. Circling overhead, soft cries echoing down upon him. In this moment, though, despite my like hyped up language, because I want to be okay... (laughs) We are devastated by how Ahsoka and Rex had to escape. Morai represents that Ahsoka did indeed survive. Palpy's plan missed one of the most important people, if not hashtag the most important person, which is super important. Ahsoka fighting Vader on Mandacore in Rebels might have pushed him a little bit closer to the light. Just a little bit closer. Just a smidge. Just a touch. And we loved the moment when you can see Anakin's eye through Vader's helmet. Like, I was squinting. Super duper squinting. And this signaled to us, like, as I'm whispering now, <laughs> that there's still hope for Anakin. As he watched the more I soar above him. I like to think that something was felt when that happened. Something besides pain, fear, or rage. Maybe it's simply regret. That's kind of what I take from it. Um, Luke, however, is the one who eventually turns his father back to the light. But maybe thinking of Ahsoka here and seeing her in Rebels gave him that first nudge. And, And I will also say... If you folks haven't been watching the Disney Gallery episodes, y'all got to get in on this. But while you're not watching Gallery, Vader takes Ahsoka's saber. Is this a trophy for Palpy? I will, I will Dracarys so freaking hard. Or will Vader keep it? Mm-hmm. He might keep it for himself. I love it. With that roller coaster of emotions that I am experiencing, Ahsoka may be no Jedi, but are we just not going to take Rex's word for it or what? Colleen, mm-hmm. let's move to that fifth holocron 
because you are so sexy and spot on with spotting those Easter eggs and homages. Hit us up with some funky facts. I will. So, moving on to our homages and Easter eggs, our first one. Funny you should ask, Sarah. We do love how connected Rex and Ahsoka are in Clone Wars and Rebels. One really cool thing I discovered on my rewatch, Rex also says Ahsoka's iconic Rebels line in episode four, season thir- or sorry, in season four, episode 13, Zygerian slave master Agrus Boo taunts Obi-Wan by saying, quote, I know a Jedi won't kill an unarmed man. Enter Rex, boss as fuck. He grabs an electro staff and hurls it into Igress's midsection like Aquaman throwing a trident. And then he drops the mic with, quote, I'm no Jedi. This what? is great. It's just great. <laughs> oh. I love it. It's so perfect. So, so perfect. The next one. I was really curious about the choral music playing in the mm. beginning of the episode because, of course, I'm like, I like languages and I want to know what the F they're saying. It's beautiful. It's so it's beautiful. beautiful. The only thing I could really find was that the language is probably Sanskrit. Okay. And it could be translated to, quote, oh, sweet sleep. Oh, rest subduing fear. Oh, sweet sleep. Oh, rest subduing fear. Oh, my goodness. In Sanskrit, which actually comes from Revenge of the Sith from Padme's funeral. <sighs> so this is kind of connecting once again this arc with Revenge of the Sith. Sanskrit was also used in the choral sections of John Williams's scores for Duel of the Fates. And like I said, for Padme's funeral scene, it's like just even more death symbolism. Oh, and you know, what's really cool. Okay. 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 Cause like my point from above, like the difference between Anakin's fate and Ahsoka's fate regarding how they dealt with it. <gasps> Colleen, you're so right. Because I think, in the ga- in one of the recent gallery episodes I was watching, Filoni talks about how Duel of the Fates isn't about the fate necessarily about the difference between Sith and the Jedi, but the Sith of this one particular child. So maybe this, I, I, you know what, Dave Filoni, we are back <laughs> together. We, I want to ask you these questions. So I will do. I apologize. Whatever you need from me, sir. I wonder, and I'm thinking based on what you're saying, is Dave Filoni is communicating here, this is the episode regarding Ahsoka's fate. Probably. And Rex's. I mean, it really right. does yes. seal yes. their fates for this point Correct. in their lives. Like, they will not move on for a really long time. I, I bet you, I bet you somewhere if he hasn't already said it and i just haven't read it yet that that i think he's making that intentional callback i or call forward it's star wars it's literally all the same in a retcon at the same time <laughs> so true that is so so true i love it oh and of course we have to circle back to our theme again i always have to be getting back to that theme when yep. i saw the episode title victory and death i immediately thought of the phrase victory or death Mm-hmm. I knew I had heard it somewhere, so I went on a classic Colleen deep dive into uncharted territory and probable tinfoiling. Like, for the real part, victory or death was the code phrase used by George Washington and his men when they crossed the Delaware River during the Revolutionary War. Mm. It's also the motto for the 32nd Armored Regiment <sighs> in the U.S. Army. 
wait, wait. Wasn't Ahsoka's unit the 330? So fucking good. Like, it's so coincidence. Fucking good. So I, good. I think Filoni and crew might have known that little tidbit at least. But then I found something else a little funny while researching. Elvis Presley was a member of the 32nd Regiment during World War II. His nickname is The King, and Rex is Latin for King. So Rex is the king of the clones, y'all. Oh my god. I You're either a conspiracy theorist, <laughs> absolutely accurate, or both at the same time, and I have never felt you so hard in this moment. Please go on with the, go on with the next one because I love all that. And, okay, so to just clarify then, so so George Washington does victory or death. Alamo mm-hmm. is like, yes, that also makes sense. Victory or death. Okay, yeah. and then and then oh, and it is more hopeful, Colleen, because it's not an or statement; it's an and. Mm-hmm. That's that's another reason why it is more hopeful it is an and not an or because we must go on because we can go on and we shall go on Mm -hmm. so give us that fourth easter egg Mm -hmm. so we can go on to those oh yes some really familiar two star wars fans easter eggs show up when we reach the episode's end once vader shows up we get snow troopers imperial probe droids and regular storm troopers and this is such a punch to the gut like Damn it, Filoni. Seeing these bucket heads after watching Ahsoka and Rex bury their clone compatriots and place their helmets on the graves. Ugh, it was tough to see just the regular stormtroopers just being really shit marksmen just standing yep. there. Speaking of those grave markers, there is actually an eerily similar scene in episode five of The Mandalorian where the stormtrooper helmets are displayed on spikes in yes. Mos Eisley. It's like, are there still heads in the helmets? Maybe. Probably. Kind of hope not. Hope it's just the helmets that have been skewered. So I spikes. don't have to look at the truth. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 The next one, super sad. Just a couple quick last ones. Ahsoka and Rex bury the men physically, at least mm-hmm. from what we can tell from the episode, instead of having Ahsoka use the force to make the graves. And this reminded us a lot of when Harry Potter buries Dobby in the Deathly Hollows. He refuses to use magic. He does it physically. Yep. It's like just showing them respect in death. And then to end on a little bit happier note for this section, the prisoner gambit should look super familiar. It's used super, super often in Star Wars. And it's tough to name every single instance where this happens, but some of our faves are, of course... Han and Luke using Chewie as a prisoner in A New Hope. The Spectre crew and Rebels claim that Zeb is a hairless, rare Wookiee prisoner. Which is great. Season one. And then Ezra fakes capturing Hera to help her retrieve her family heirloom, Kelly Cory, in Rebels as well. They they really like to use this in Rebels. Yeah. And so let's move on to then, thank you, Colleen, our sixth holocron, that Darth Plotius. What do we know that the characters do not? And what we do know is that Ahsoka knows some of the clones or all of the clones may be willing to die, but she's not going to be the one who kills them. Except, whoops, that's kind of what happens. And she lets them all out. He's a distraction. 
His power rage is way too intense, rips the ship to threads, letting them engage with the clones while running for the shuttle. Mm -hmm. We know that Maul survived Order 66 because of Rebels and Solo, Mm -hmm. but we had no idea that Ahsoka would share in the blame for how he survived. And let me say, Mm -hmm. you know what, Ahsoka? From a storytelling standpoint, I am glad you let that animal (laughs) out. Let's go. She used him as a tool and that tool killed everyone aboard the ship. Yep. Yep. It's really tough to reconcile that. And we're sure that Ahsoka feels intense guilt about this. She's standing in front of the clones' graves. Just she knows that she helped this happen. But we and the audience know that Ahsoka will be okay. She will rise again to be the hero the galaxy needs. And seeing Morai also made us think of hope, which we need to and constantly return back to. The entire Star Wars saga is about hope and how to keep it alive. We might know that Anakin will eventually break free from his Vader armor and bring balance to the Force, whatever that means. But Ahsoka and Rex are left in the wreckage of their lives. Ain't that the truth? Uncertain of their futures. Ain't that the truth they have no idea that anakin lives on invader and won't find out for a long long time but don't worry kids you'll still be alive after return of the jedi and and honestly colleen with your abbreviations and with sometimes (laughs) my like storytelling like let's just see what happens every once in a while i literally think that that the abbreviation is like revenge of the jedi and doesn't that show some bias yeah yikes that was the original title of the movie so you're not too far off talking about hope though yep it's in super short supply for most of this episode like we've known all along that we were coming to this moment. We just really didn't want it to come in this devastating of a package. Yep. Like there's a reason Filoni chose Jesse to have at least some focus on this season. His head tattoo and his helmet both bear the Republic symbol. Looks like a gear kind of. And this symbol will now be twisted into the Imperial crest. And so seeing Ahsoka gaze at Jesse's grave his helmet just like front and center right there shows that she also realizes that an era is over. The Republic has died. She doesn't necessarily know what is going to happen now, but we know that the empire rises victorious. And one other point I wanted to say before we move on to our next holocron, Brennan and I were talking about how, you know, before when order 66 was depicted in the movies, at least you didn't have the same sense of sorrow because at least if you didn't have kids and you weren't consuming things as voraciously as they came out, you only had one perspective from a certain point of view Mm -hmm. of stormtroopers. And so here, unlike other times before, this is, this is one of the first times or at least one of the most palpable palpable times for viewers to care about the men behind the masks very much very much uh when like finn has has blood on his mask it just this is not what i'm supposed to see the humanity behind the mask Mm -hmm. (sighs) Mm -hmm. 
So speaking, crushing, speaking of humanity, if you want to label it that, or at least sentience, let's move on to that precious, precious, precious seventh holocron for our last Droid Liberation and Defense Organization meeting, D-L-D-O. Let's go. Yep, yep, yep. I really don't want to cry anymore, so can you take this one? (laughs) Absolutely. Um, I, again, state my rage for the record. The only positive that we, I, can take from this episode in terms of these poor, sweet, sweet heroes, these droids, is that Rex and Ahsoka maybe salvage or at least retrieve the brave body of R7. If they can repair that little guy, it will be another small, if not huge, victory. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, no luck for Gigi and Cheap, though. Those, mm-hmm. I was just speaking about humanity, mm-hmm. but those clones straight up murdered them. Yes. And it was incredibly violent. Mm-hmm. And I screamed in outrage. I legitimately screamed in outrage. Like I knew something was going to happen because they had to make it hit. Mm-hmm. But Filoni, you know what? Now we're on a breakup again. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> yeah, it was so, so violent. Like I could barely watch it, especially since they were surrendering. Like Chief's yes. little arms were up and everything. Yes. And you know what? You know what? At least the clones realized that the droids were a threat. Recognize mm-hmm. they were actively helping Ahsoka and Rex. Mm-hmm. Our friend Anders, oh, Anders, you are a maester in your own right, has asked a great question. Mm-hmm. Why wasn't there a contingency plan or data chip in place for the Republic droids? No no explicative, right? Is Palpy pulling a Voldemort and underestimating our robot friends? Everyone does. It's mm-hmm. not just Palpy. I'm getting heated now. <laughs> Thinking something not worth noticing because it quote unquote has no power. Are mm-hmm. you insane? Mm-hmm. The droids are the house elves of Star Wars. And you know what? It is time to set them all flipping free. Yep. Yep. R2 is free. <laughs> I have a really bad feeling about this, but we understand that. So why don't we move into the, I'm going to call the seventh holocron like a critic's corner. Like it's totally been bolstered into the critic's corner. Let's get truly into our next segment of critic's corner. First and foremost, Rex didn't like much being a commander anyway. So that tells us why he's still a captain in Rebels, which is cute, which is a really cute way of them either handling or like planning all along what to do with a retcon. Mm-hmm. Yep. But yep. Colleen, will there be retcons? <laughs> this is our classic Critics Corner question now, I feel. Yep. This is now our returning theme yep. question. Will there are. be retcons? Unfortunately, yes, there was a pretty big one this episode once again. Coming from the Ahsoka novel, the book said that Ahsoka and Rex faked their deaths on Mandalore. They actually dressed another clone in Rex's armor. I hope they had time to dye his hair because Rex is the only blonde one running around, or at least shaved the guy's head and said it was Rex. Mm-hmm. And they buried that body. Then they buried Ahsoka's lightsabers and left an inscription by the grave that Rex and Ahsoka had killed each other. 
which super sad that in of itself, but yeah. I really enjoyed what Filoni and crew did in this episode. Mm-hmm. It was so much more powerful seeing all of the clones as graves and then watching Vader be the one to find her saber in the snow. It was weird. Like I get from an artistic standpoint why it happened. It was beautiful. But now that I can like look back at it, right? How was that lightsaber just floating on all that snow? It, I mean, it depends on how often it snows on the planet, I guess. I mean, that could give us an indication of time frame. But oh, when I they, guess because when yes, they crashed they were at buried. first, it was kind of a desert, deserty planet. So maybe okay. it just has like these weird seasons where it snows and then it melts and it's a little more deserty and then and lightsabers are just mm-hmm. laying on the ground. Yeah, yeah of, course. of course, of course. Yeah, it's fine. Everything's fine. We'll talk about that time frame in a hot second. <laughs> we did. We had wondered how Rex could still be a captain in Rebels, like really for real. At least mm-hmm. we got an answer here. Like Jesse just busts our dude from commander to captain and then prepares to execute him. So rude. Like, why are you bothering to demote him if you're just going to kill him? Just we, rude. We don't know, except that a demotion is usually what happens when mm-hmm. there's a court-martial happening. But why didn't he just court-martial him then? Like, why didn't he field court-martial him before executing him instead of just, like, demoting him? Like, what? <laughs> why didn't he do a lot of things is going to be, like, but you know what, Jesse? May you rest in power and be de-chipped. That's what I'll say. I want all y'all to be de-chipped. Yes. To pivot so that we can calm down a little bit, let's <laughs> return back to one of the most important guiding lights in Star Wars. On the micro level, how much time has passed between Ahsoka the Grey and Vader finding wreckage if we had to guess question mark? We don't know. I mean, you know, (laughs) how are we supposed to know the timeline? It could have been months, years, decades. We don't really know. There's like a couple little bits of evidence for when this takes place. Like, Mm -hmm. Vader already has his red lightsaber, meaning that he has claimed the kyber crystal from Jedi Kirak Infilia. And that occurred after Revenge of the Sith. So this moment is at least some months, at least some months after the end of that movie, because he had to, like, go and find the kyber crystal from this other Jedi. And then he had to Mm -hmm. go and make his lightsaber. So there has been some time passed, at least. I'm going to ask a silly question just because... I'm I'm super tired. Did we see Vader's red saber? Like, it's there's like no from his belt. Okay, okay, cool, 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 cool. Yes. And and since you mentioned the Kyber crystal chemistry, which is really fun to say, <laughs> do you know generally how long it takes for Kyber crystals to start breaking down, especially in crazy? weather predicaments because okay i see you again this isn't a visual medium i see my master jedi colleen shaking her head no i bet you that there is a really cool nerd out there who has figured out roughly how long kyber crystal should take to break down in those elements and that would probably give us an indication maybe assuming the kyber crystal wasn't like advanced breaking down because of some sort of damage, but, but Ahsoka was still using it. So. Right. And does activate her saber. So it's still working. Yeah. Right. Blue. Like seeing him holding a blue lightsaber also was really cool. I swear it looks, it's predominantly blue, but I swear 
that it also has a sh- a sheen from one of the angles, green and purple. And it could too. It could just be like they're trying to show all of the different color sabers. Yeah. I think what they were mostly trying to get across is that image of Vader holding a blue lightsaber as for opposed sure. to a red one. For sure. And also just seeing him kind of stare at it for a while and being like, I did this to her lightsaber. I did this to her. She's dead basically because of me. Yeah. Oh, he that's probably him believing that she's dead, right? Is this the moment where he thinks she's passed? I think so. It, did, okay. it really depends on the timeline. Like We don't know yet if he yeah. has already been in Rebels and has fought mm-hmm. her in Malachor. We don't know that yet. But I think it comes before that moment. I think this is him thinking she's dead, for sure. And you, and you know, before he turned, he was able to sense Ahsoka because he wasn't Vader. Do you think that has anything to do with it as well? Because my sense is Vader isn't able to and or unwilling to track Ahsoka. Like maybe he's just kind of like put that in a little box to hold on to as Annie, like deep down in the darkness. Mm -hmm. Well, and Ahsoka's probably shut off from the force at this point also. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. Feel her. Well, since since we've been kind of like mind spinning about that and we'll post this next information that Colleen broke down for us um, that she's about to read off for you, let's return to another micro point. Why don't you take it away, Colleen? Mm -hmm. All right. So as promised, here is the viewing order if you want to do a concurrent watch of Revenge of the Sith and the Siege of Mandalore arc. So cool. I love this. This is awesome. So number one. You start out watching The Clone Wars, Season 7, Episode 9. Watch that to its entirety. Number two, you start Revenge of the Sith and watch to minute 50, colon, 19. So funny. Pause. Number three, watch Clone Wars, Episode, Season 7, Episode 10, through its entirety. Go back to Revenge of the Sith for number four. Oh my god. And watch... Until one hour, 25 minutes, 14 seconds. Oh my God. Oh my God. (laughs) Stop. Number five, Clone Wars, season seven, episode 11, watch to its entirety. Go back to Revenge of the Sith, number six, and watch to two hours, eight minutes, 56 seconds. Pause. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. (laughs) Pause. Go back to Clone Wars, season seven, episode 12, victory and death watch to its Mm -hmm. entirety and then go back finally to number eight and finish revenge of the sith that is ridiculous now did you compile this list was this someone else online was this i had i had something made and then i went online online and i matched it i matched it with like the more correct second kind of gotcha were a little off so I was yeah. much more heaven forbid a few seconds were off yes yes <laughs> that is what I'm talking about so we don't have time for eight minutes of no dialogue nor do we have an orchestra at our disposal yet <laughs> so let's keep going who won the episode best best car Ugh. well it's Sarah's on again off again boyfriend it is Dave frickin' Filoni. I legitimately worship him. I worship him. He's fantastic. All hail the Emperor. All oh, hail holy. the Emperor. Maybe we shouldn't call him that. All hail our fearless leader, our general, 
our chosen one. <laughs> Not Absolutely. the Emperor. So starting with the Clone Wars film in 2008, Filoni has been the driving force behind not only Clone Wars, but also Rebels and Resistance, and is also involved in other projects, such as The Mandalorian. His love and devotion to Star Wars is so endearing, and we, like Sarah had earlier, encourage everyone to watch those Mandalorian docuseries episodes on Disney+. You get some really incredible takes, not just from yep. him, but from the other creators of that Unequivocally. series. It is one of the coolest things to watch, and everyone has time and does sparkle and shine it's Mm -hmm. a phenomenal series phenomenal sorry fantastic oh no you're good we can always talk more about the mandalorian like heck yes so not only is filoni the head of cloners and rebels he also has numerous writing directing and voice acting credits to his name he's also an artist so he was animation first artist who enjoys teasing fans on twitter with his fantastic sketches a lot of the time of ahsoka that's really cute. And then next, another reason why he's so freaking fantastic, we keep hearing casting news for popular Star Wars characters. So we can only hope that Filoni has something up his sleeve for a Rebel sequel. Just he always had something up his hands. Oh, he yeah, always has or his sleeves. Yeah, his his hands have sleeves. Yes. His sleeves have sleeves. He's ready. He is always ready. He's got pockets in those sleeves. Like, just the other week, we learned of another casting rumor. So skip ahead maybe, like, 30 seconds a minute if you don't want to hear. Bing, 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 bing. Spoiler alert. Or leak alert, either way. Screen Rant reported that Disney is currently casting for an adult Ezra Bridger. And they're looking for someone of Asian, Indian, or Middle Eastern descent. And we love this. The choice to make Ezra a person of color, which would match his animated character counterpart, is momentous like yes keep getting more people of color into star wars yep 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 or or just stop taking the ones that are in out hashtag vader <laughs> everything's fine <laughs> everything's <laughs> fine the next few months obsessing about why they're casting ezra Rebel yes. sequel that's what we're hoping for that's what we want give us what we want dave and yeah then- or or we'll break up again because <laughs> yeah, that'll hurt <laughs> I think that Kathleen Kennedy said it best. I found this really cool quote from her quote. There isn't a thing that we do in the storytelling space that I don't check with Dave. What I find about Dave is you don't just sit down and have a discussion about plot or view characters inside the star Wars world. You end up having meaningful, thoughtful discussions about what it is we're trying to say inside the storytelling. Love it. And we hope you keep going back to him for years to come. Kathleen keep him on board absolutely absolutely and colleen do you want to maybe take you know some of these sections for our core winners because classic colleen was like gotta (laughs) catch them all and she chose a trio Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna put her to the test to actually choose one at the end of it because a padawan needs an answer from her master (laughs) These three are winners in our book because they defeat or cheat death and emerge from the rubble in bittersweet victory. So I really appreciate the um, kind of lawyered way that you did this to like, well, they're technically one hero. Well, let's first break down Ahsoka. Go ahead, Colleen. Okay. So Ahsoka, 
from her insistence that they try to not hurt the clones to her massive force power holding that shuttle, our fave Tigrita runs away with this episode. Everything rests on her small shoulders. She's the heart, really, of Clone Wars and the audience's eyes and ears in this final arc. We admire her bravery, her perseverance, and her utter respect for those around her. She doesn't break in this episode. She is Rex's rock. She's the one with the faith that they will survive. And she's the one with the plans. She lets Maul go so she can save Rex. And the only reason I couldn't let her win the episode solo is that she has a lot of narrative help Mm -hmm. from her favorite and least favorite boys. That is true. So I really, I really like this. And Colleen and I can maybe have a quick quibble. (laughs) Colleen poses that Ahsoka may be the heart of Clone Wars, but Rex is its soul. And I, I think, I think for me, in many ways, I consider Ahsoka and Qui-Gon the soul of Star Wars from a philosophical standpoint. But again, we don't have time to like wax and wane on it now because we totally will later i i think it's very interesting that you phrased rex as being its soul quote and i'm taking this this is this is master colleen's words here so she might cry quote gruff and dubious of ahsoka joining the battlefield in the clone war movie rex grows into a humorous confident self-sufficient free thinker he flourished under Ahsoka's unorthodox leadership. This is this is Sarah breaking in. Thank you, question mark, Anakin. <clears throat> Learning how to become a better leader and started to question the war and even examined his own existence. Wow. His ability to form close personal bonds with Anakin and Ahsoka is what saves her. And in many ways, what saves him, right? Those few moments of hesitation, his inner battle against Order 66 made their survival possible. He's ready to sacrifice everything if it means protecting her. And he pilots the shit out of that Y-Wing to make it happen. Heck yep. I didn't know he had it in him to pilot that way, but good job, buddy. Mm-hmm. I'll... I'll go over a little bit more why I think Rex is the soul when we go over the miraculous elements of Clone Wars, the series. Perfect. Making him the soul really points to the clones as being more than just machines. Yeah. More than just an output from some DNA. They actually have a soul that we need to worry about and be concerned about. And you know what? I think, let me me backpedal a little bit. If I can say... I think it is 100% fair to say that Rex is the unequivocal soul of Clone Wars, if that makes sense. I really like that. If we look at just, see, I was looking, I was looking outside of like, oh, what do I want Star Wars to be galactically? Mm -hmm. I'm going to backpedal and say, if we look at specifically this seven seasons show, Rex is its soul unequivocally. So I'm going to backpedal. Yes, master. Yes, master. I've learned. I've learned. But no, of Star Wars on its like itself, I would, Ahsoka definitely is in the running for the soul of Star yeah, Wars yeah, at this yeah, point. Yeah. And then, of course, got to get back to Ahsoka's least favorite boy and my favorite uh-huh. boy, Maul. 
He brings out his inner star killer here, also voiced by Sam Witwer in the video game. He bulldozes his way through this episode. Like, he demolishes the Venator's hyperdrive. He drags the ship out of hyperspace. He is planning ahead. He's determined to survive. And he succeeds in outmaneuvering Ahsoka. Like, his Mm -hmm. tenacity is really, really something to behold here, even though it's pretty fucking terrifying. (laughs) And though my husband, Sam Witwer, only gets that one line of dialogue, we get so much from that line here. Like, his rage, his pain, and his disappointment in Ahsoka radiate through his words, telling her basically that she has reaped what she sowed. Like, they had a chance to defeat Palpatine, Mm. and she didn't take his hand. And so he's just not willing to go down with the ship with her. He pieces out faster than Ahsoka can blink, basically. So, like, do we have, like, any good news then? <laughs> right? It's Because this, <laughs> this is the final Master and Apprentice section for the Clone Wars podcast. Oh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You know what we might mean. And legitimately, even in this episode alone, we have hundreds of other questions um, but a lot of them might be answered again, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, you know what I mean, in upcoming podcasts. So before we get into our next section to tease a little bit, and we'll probably say it again at the very, very close, folks, if you have questions, if you have favorite stories, especially if they're ones that I have read that Colleen hasn't, Darth Bane, <laughs> that's the only one I've got. We would love, love to hear from you because whew, it can get lonely in this galaxy and we are reaching out to you. Please reach back with your force. Until then, let's get into the segment, Master and Apprentice, to that first question that many of us know and some of us know without truly understanding the deeper um, significance do any Jedi survive Order 66? Most of the Jedi were wiped out by that order. A few survive. Why don't you take it away, Colleen? Yeah. Besides the obvious, like everybody knows Yoda and Obi-Wan Kenobi survived yeah. Order 66. Most people will know that Padawan Caleb Doom escaped when his master sacrificed herself for him. He went mm-hmm. into hiding and changed his name to Kanan Jarrus. Sound familiar? Oh, I love him. Our boy Kanan. Next, we have Padawan, another Padawan. Many Padawans actually escaped. His name is Cal Kestis. He's the protagonist of Jedi Fallen Order, the video game. He also survives due to his master's sacrifice, which is gut-wrenching. If, you've, if you haven't had a chance to kind of watch the YouTube videos of his master, mm-hmm. who is a Lasat, the same species as Zeb from Rebels, yeah, that's another heart frickin' breaker right there. Now, Cal later does find former Jedi Knight, Sarah Junda, who escaped as well. But her Padawan becomes the second sister Inquisitor. Another Yikes. really gut-wrenching moment from the video game. Like, really, we really did not have to have our heart broken by a video game, but okay. It's fine. Star Wars, no one's happy. Next, one of my favorites, Quinlan Voss. He's actually a high-priority target from the empire who they thought he escaped his name appears on the same list as jocasta knew in the darth vader dark lord of the sith comics mm. in arabesh you can see his name there so i'm like ooh, 
one of the sexiest Jedi escaped. <laughs> I like we really hope he shows up too on one of the Disney Plus shows, especially if it's to bother Obi-Wan. <laughs> because mm-hmm. Obi-Wan gets so annoyed by him so quickly. And even more especially if he's maybe played by David Diggs. I could get behind that very quickly. Just sending that out into the ether. Yep, putting that out there. Never hurts to have ideas floating around. And then these last ones, I actually did not really know about. I had looked up a bunch of lists of Jedi who had survived, and there are quite a few. These are masters. So all of these masters were confirmed by the Empire to have survived Order 66, but they were not able to find them because they hid themselves so well. These masters are Opo Rancisis, Coleman Kaj, Kamun Kohli, and Selrock Yulos. I would have read all of those names horribly wrong. <laughs> I don't even know if those are correct. This is my okay. Yes, <laughs> that makes me feel better. Those four guys also escaped Order sixty six. And what about Guardians of the Wilds? Wilds? Wills. Wilds. Wills. Ah, that makes a lot more sense. Guardians of the Wills. Who are they? What are they all about? Well, we love these guys. We mentioned the group last pod when we were discussing Chirrut Imwe and that Mm -hmm. phrase, I am one with the Force and the Force is with me. So we decided to take a little bit of a closer look into this religious order. George Lucas said, quote, originally, I was trying to have the story be told by somebody else an immortal being known as a will. There was somebody watching this whole story and recording it. Somebody probably wiser than the mortal players in the actual events. I eventually dropped this idea, and the concepts behind the wills turned into the force. But the wills became part of this massive amount of notes, quotes, background information that I used for the scripts. The stories were actually taken from the Journal of the Wills. It's so, like, Greek roman sounding to me that's why i thought like especially in my tired state i was like wiles Mm -hmm. huh i love this Mm -hmm. please tell me more Mm -hmm. while the the wills may have turned into the force the idea wasn't abandoned instead we got to see the guardian monks in rogue one like true yeah the protectors of the temple of kyber on the planet jetta These monks took solemn vows to protect both the temple and the pilgrims who visited. So probably Jedi came here maybe to get a kyber crystal for their lightsabers. Unfortunately, Jedi is one of the main sources of kyber for the Empire, and the temple was completely looted. The monks were displaced into Jedi City, which is where Cassian, Andor, and Jyn Erso meet to root in Rogue One. And then, of course, because the Empire just a bag of dicks, the planet is eventually destroyed in that same movie as the first test of the Death Star's laser. Ugh. Mm-hmm. That just, that just, ugh, that just makes me angry. Yep. yep. What about, what about more death and destruction, Colleen? <laughs> what happened to the clones? Are there any other important clones we should know about? Watch Rebels. Mm-hmm. How do their stories end besides Watch Rebels? Yes, besides Watch Rebels. Most of the clones were made loyal to the Empire and to Palpatine, and worked as soldiers or training personnel until they aged out and became obsolete, basically. The cloning facility on Kamino was shut down, so no new clones were made. The last troops were allowed to complete their training, but then the stormtroopers soon replaced the clones as the main body of the Imperial Army. 
And of course, the clones viewed these new troops as inferior and a huge embarrassment <laughs> compared to the former Grand Army of the Republic. And then we also have the Royal Guard. So some of the clones served for longer terms by joining the Royal Guard. These were Palpatine's kind of red-robed bodyguard guys that you see in the movies. Others are regulated to tasks that felt like way beneath them, such as doing inventory. <laughs> Like they went to Jedi temples and space stations just to kind of see what stuff was left over from the Clone Wars. Pure, th like poor Thrawn, which is a funny thing yeah. to say, <laughs> just wants like proper museum curators yes. for these artifacts. Yep. How, like, it's just so hard to find. <laughs> yeah. Like, freaking aid. The clones were not made for this. They've been programmed as soldiers, so they were not great at any of this sort of admin stuff. Now, and most of them lived incredibly short lives, not necessarily just dying in battle, but they aged twice the normal human rate, so they died much faster. Yeah, than normal people. But now we have kind of a good one, kind of some light at the end of the clone tunnel. We know that Rex, Wolf, and Gregor are in Rebels, but there's another clone that we actually saw this final season in the Bad Batch arc. And this is Clone Medic Kicks. We yeah. wonder what it happened to him because after the first Bad Batch episode, he kind of disappears. We were like, did he follow Order 66? Did he join the rest mm. of the 501st when Anakin attacked the Jedi Temple in Revenge of the Sith? I hope not. So down the research rabbit hole we go. In <laughs> season six, Fives convinces Kicks to have Rex and Anakin meet him when he's trying to get them in on the chip thing. Having seen Tup shoot General Tiplar, and then learning that Fives was eventually killed, Kix becomes super suspicious and starts his own investigation after the Battle of Anaxes. So after the Bad Batch arc, he starts an investigation. He eventually discovers the inhibitor chip plot also. And he, of course, is found out by Dooku, captured by the Separatists. He's put in a stasis pod and the droid ship carrying him crashes, leaving him in stasis for 50 years. Yikes. He comes out of cryosleep around the same time as The Force Awakens. So 50 That's years. ironic. He's That's ironic. There. Yep, he could be around then in The Force Awakens. He actually How, was like, found by a pirate. <laughs> you know that, again, like, again, because Star Wars is so big, you know that mm -hmm. someone out there is just like, ah, oh, well, if he was in stasis for 50 years mm -hmm. and he just woke up mm -hmm. and this is about the Force Awakening, because, like, I'm thinking about the nap that I want to take and I'm like, well, I'm going to have a forceful nap. Heck, yes, you are. <laughs> But you probably will not be awakened by a pirate, hopefully. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's not on my list. Yeah. So just like, come on now, guys. Of course he's fucking found by a pirate. It's not Hondo, though. He's found by the Crimson Corsair. Nice alliteration there. And here's where the sad part comes in, because, of course, poor Kix is, like, waking up and saying, I know how to save the Republic. I know how to save the Republic. <gasps> yeah, that's and right. He finds out from the pirate crew that how much time has passed. His brothers are most likely all long dead at this Brutal. point. Brutal. Jedi have been wiped out Brutal. by his brothers, their own men, and the Republic is gone. I mean, the New Republic is there, but also the First Order has risen, so he's probably like, fuck my life. What happened here? So he actually decides to join the pirate crew and search the galaxy for treasures. So we know that at least one clone is still operating 
in the sequel trilogy timeline, which I thought was kind of cool. Nice. Nice. Mm -hmm. Do you want me to read this part then and introduce you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So now that we've gotten through our uh, final Master and Apprentice section, we wanted to circle back. For now. (laughs) We wanted to circle back to our very first pod and pull a little bit of inspiration from our Star Wars origin stories. But this time we're going to look through our lens at the four major miracles of the Clone Wars series that made the experience just so much richer than I think anybody really expected. And let me just say, first and foremost, again, for the record, Colleen is a very good friend because she gifted me in writing this script, Ahsoka freaking Tano. That's like a gift, Colleen. So thank you for the record. There's a reason fans were and are obsessed with whether Ahsoka survived the Clone Wars and literally begged Dave Filoni. I like remember this is one of those things I remember, but I wasn't there. If that makes sense. Like I didn't do the Twitter thing or anything like that. And some people say for better or worse, and I get it, but I don't. Ahsoka started out as a bratty snippy teen that fans really didn't like. And I have to say, I really dislike that. I really, that really grinds my gears. It really reminds me about how people looked at Sansa and other people like, listen, I thought Ahsoka was hilarious because she put Anakin in line, but other people and Colleen, like you tell me, did you, did you like her or did you not like her? Because I will say, I think I think one of the reasons why I might have liked her more is because I might have known or suspected where she was going. Like, I'm trying to remember when when Brendan used to try and get me to watch Clone Wars when it had, like, just first came out and I did not enjoy season one or season two. I enjoyed moments from it, but it was like... Slog. Yeah. It was a slog. And now I'm just like, please more of that. Yeah. Did you, how did, how did you feel about it? Because I remember saying, yes, this, this is a realistic character to Mm me. When I first saw it, I saw the movie first, of course. And I did not. I mean, she was okay. Yeah. She just wasn't my favorite. And now, of course, she has morphed into one of the best Star Wars characters of all time. But at that point, I was just kind of like, what is this? Why is she here? Like, she's cute. I thought she was super (laughs) cute and, like, competent up to a certain point. But at first, I was like, she's, yeah. She's like, I don't know. I would rather have somebody else here. (laughs) See, that's so funny because to me, I was like, yes, I love, like, I love reading your language because my, my, my stance was the complete opposite. So why don't you read like the next here? I'll highlight it for you so that we can like debate this point because like Mm -hmm. I personally can't read it. And so I want us to kind of go back and forth just like real Mm -hmm. quick on that. Yeah. So this was my initial reading on Ahsoka like she was super annoying why did she give Anakin that stupid nickname why did Anakin even need Padawan like couldn't we just watch Anakin and Obi-Wan kick ass but we're really glad we stuck with her because she is now like we said one of the most iconic Star Wars characters 
That's so funny because to me, it made awkward yet perfect sense that it was like, it felt a little bit forced. I remember feeling like, huh? Okay. Okay. It works really quickly. Yes. So I guess, I guess I just really hopped onto the bandwagon. I was just not appreciating what Clone Wars the series was doing at that point in time. So here's here's where Colleen and I do agree <laughs> unequivocally. As the first prominent female Jedi, she became an inspiration to women and girls of all ages. And I would argue even people who do not necessarily fall into those genders, if we open the galaxy wide open here was and is a hero they could see themselves in. I know I did. Here is the perfect Jedi who is not a Jedi, (laughs) which, which, yes, yes, yes. Loyal, kind, compassion, but also stubborning, questioning, questioning. Yoda, check your complacency, bro. I love you, but check yourself. And fierce. She didn't settle for complacency and showed extreme bravery and resilience by leaving the Jedi Order to make her own way. She was willing to stand up for what she believed in, giving older Jedi all the shade because they deserve it, and remained a guiding light for the Rebellion before the original trilogy. Seeing Ahsoka the White at the end of Rebels ignited like like again it's hard for us sometimes to think like what did it feel like back then which was not that long ago but it did ignite new interest and hope for a character definitely in me and fans can't wait to see if her live action casting will come to fruition she's just an all-around badass more please more please colleen now we'll kick it to one of your favorite characters. <laughs> yep, yep. We gotta get it. Get after my danger snack. Maul, don't call me Darth. Like, as you all know, I'm kind of a Maul fan. Just a Just little a bit. But this fascination did not come from the Phantom Menace. Like, no. He had that cool fight scene and all. But then Obi-Wan killed him. Like, story over, right? Wrong! So wrong! I'm so glad that George told Dave Filoni that Maul should be alive somehow. Yep. (laughs) Thanks, George. Alive somehow. And I'm even happier with what Filoni and crew did with the character. They made him into a villain we could love or love to hate. I love, love, I love loving to hate characters. Mm -hmm. Hashtag Ramsey Bolton. Mm Mm-hmm. Oof. Yeah. What a... Luckily, Maul's a little bit better than Ramsey Bolton. <laughs> yeah. Either way, he became a true tragic character. Like, his rage and his power, they're cool to watch, but they're not the most interesting things about him. I thought his descent into madness, which he really never fully recovers from, and his subsequent rise to galactic infamy was always super magnetic to watch. And, mm-hmm. of course... Sam Witwer's layered vocal performance only adds to that kind of glamorous mystique. Like, Vader and Palpy get all of the attention, pretty much, when it comes to the Sith. But Maul has that certain vulnerable quality, that yearning for connection that sets him apart from them. Does he do horrible things? 
Yep, most certainly he does. But we also got to go on this twisted journey with him and can empathize with the abuse he grew up under. Like in season five of Clone Wars, when he's begging Palpatine not to kill him, pretty much like crying at his former master's feet, it's really hard to remember that he, Maul, had just killed the loved Satine moments earlier. That's an incredible achievement in characterization, just to be yep. like, oh, you murdered this beloved character who is Obi-Wan's true love, but now I'm also feeling horrible for you in this moment because your former master has basically told you that you're trash and that you're not even worth killing. Yep. Like, great, great freaking character arc for our guy, Maul. I'm always going to root for you, Danger Snack. Always. <laughs> And speaking of dangerous snacks, Anakin Skywalker, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and other major characters get much more development and make us appreciate the sequels more. We spent a lot of time this podcast talking about returning favorites like Anakin and Obi-Wan and taking Yoda and Mace down a few pegs. And Colleen and I said off the air, I actually... I actually have a few pegs of Obi-Wan that I want to take down, but now it's not that time. We will do it another day. This wouldn't be possible without the Clone Wars series, regardless of whether you stand or stall on any particular character. We'll be stuck ogling uh, Wayne McGregor and lamenting Hayden Christensen's last lackluster acting, which again, Colleen, tough burn. I'm not <laughs> sure if I can agree with it, but shit. Though we are going to blame a lot of that on bad dialogue. Oh, Colleen. It's not Colleen. Hayden's fault. It's not completely there, Hayden's fault. <laughs> there are, oh, Colleen, just, I love how I am like preaching your voice through my dialogue and going like oh no these oh okay so let's see yoda would only have a cool fight with dooku and mace would be a wooden would be wooden and die horribly this is hilarious <laughs> toss that a window colleen colleen such harsh takes such harsh takes quote not much in the character development department oh not God, in the sequels cool. only because of clone wars do we get anything <laughs> This is so brutal. This is so brutal. Luckily, Filoni and his team crafted seven, seven holocrons, glorious seasons to dissect and shore up these film characters. Obi-Wan's doomed love story with Satine make his inattention to Anakin's fall more believable. Again, Obi-Wan. Matt Lanter gave his soul and wit to Anakin, showing that he wasn't a whiny, possessive douchebag his entire <laughs> life. Colleen! The entire point of this series was to witness Anakin's slow train wreck into the dark side, and it mostly succeeded. That I do agree with. There were always subtle hints that Anakin could be tempted to the darkness, from killing villains to pummeling Rush Clovis within an inch of his life. Because he was jealous. Mm -hmm. Anakin, did your mother not put you in time out? By planting these seeds, watching Revenge of the Sith has a new meaning. Clone Wars gives us the actual tragedy of Anakin Skywalker. He was a pretty cool guy at first who cared deeply. Too deeply? No, I would say no, but I'm not a Jedi cared deeply about the people he loved 
It shows that love can sometimes overcome us and turn us into the people we no longer recognize. I would say if we don't know what true love is, you cannot control love. Stop trying to control love. Finally, we believed why Anakin could fall in Revenge of the Sith. Yes. For sure. Thank you, Felonian crew. We finally got there. And now my last last miracle of the Clone Wars are the clones who are in the Clone Wars. <laughs> <laughs> because during these wars, clones were there. Yes, the clones were there. Maybe the most tragic characters in all of Star Wars, for real. Absolutely. Most viewers, including myself, did not see this coming. We became attached to the clones, to these clones. We started to pick favorites. It was like watching Band of Brothers and getting invested in all of their unique personalities. Like when I first saw Revenge of the Sith in 2005, wow, that was a long time ago, watching the clones execute their generals was jaw-droppingly sad. But it wasn't sad because of the clones. Like I felt awful for the Jedi who were killed. But I didn't think much about the soldiers who killed them. Like, how are we supposed to care about the clones from these movies? They had super brief appearances in Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. But the only name I can really remember or that I recalled from watching the movies at that time was Cody. Mm -hmm. And I had no feelings for them. They were basically just pre-stormtroopers to me. But damn, did this series turn everything on its head. Like spending seven seasons with these guys, let me get to know them as individuals. Let me empathize with them. I was shocked when Echo, quote unquote, died in season three. Mm -hmm. The first major clone loss that really got to me. But then that darkness on Umbara arc in season four really showed how much I cared about the clones. General Ponkrell, motherfucker, is one of the most hated Clone Wars characters, if not most hated Star Wars characters, because he treated the clones like disposable units not worthy of his time or concern. And then... He fucking betrayed them. Set them into a friendly fire ambush. Douchebag. I felt Rex's shock and pain in that moment when he realized that not all Jedi treated clones like Anakin and Obi-Wan. Not all of the Jedi cared that they were men, basically. And then freaking Fives died in season six, making me cry again about these clones. I knew season seven was going to be really difficult, but I wasn't quite prepared for the depth of emotion these last two episodes brought out in me. Like seeing the clones love and adore Ahsoka only to turn on her in an instant was so horrific. Like Jesse, he was devastated that he gave up information about her to Maul and then condemned her without a thought, just in a snap. But what really got to me in the end was that they had no choice. When Palpy said those words, execute Order 66, their autonomy was ripped away, their true selves were buried under this kind of incepted identity of the perfect soldier. They were tools used by an indifferent monster, and some of them eventually lost their minds after realizing what they'd done. And this is why spells like the Imperious Curse from Harry Potter and Bloodbending from Avatar the Last Airbender are so chilling. Like, taking away someone's free will is the worst thing you can do to them, besides murdering them. Pretty much. 
And the Clone Wars crew utilized this unthinkable evil to great effect. It was just mesmerizing. Just fantastic. And to try and get back to a happy note, I really yeah, hope Yeah, I was about get... to say, we're about to like, go so, off air yeah. for a while. <laughs> Ooh, it just gets so dark here at the end, everyone. But I hope we really get to see Tamora Morrison rep- reprise any sort of clone role. This time, I really could see him in that like sexy rebellion era Rex beard. Like, yes, please. If he has to play Boba Fett, that's fine, too. But I'd much rather see him play Rex. Because <laughs> spending time with these guys was one of the greatest things I got from this series. And like I said before, the most tragic. Absolutely. And I think that is a perfect way for us to say that we've really enjoyed spending time with you guys, stopping and starting, aside in light of everything going on in the galaxy within the galaxy. Mm-hmm. So to kind of make an announcement, uh, we got some parents. We got some parents who are chomping at the bit to do some fandom stuff. Colleen and I have got some stuff in the works. We will be officially, unless something wild, thank you, 2020 happens, dropping our next episode in July. Until then, we'll still be sharing news on Instagram and Twitter when we can, as soon as we can. But it has been a fantastic, fantastic time exploring Star Wars together Please help people find BGS. It can be lonely in the galaxy, right? Mm -hmm. And there is light. Find the light like Ahsoka. Colleen, is there anything else you wanted to add, my dear? Because I wanted to give you the the final line to close this one out. I just want to thank everybody for spending time with us, for listening in on us and our zaniness. And I hope you come join us again when we dip back into this galaxy far, far away or whichever other subjects yeah. we might be covering next time, next season. So until then, just want to leave you with our little tagline. Thanks so much. Sabers up and keep those episodes streaming. Star Wars, this was on Star Wars, specifically Clone Wars, Season 7. Star Wars, this was on Star Wars, specifically Clone Wars, Episode 12. That was some show you put on just now. Just doing our job, Captain. (laughs) 